Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast. In this episode, we talk with Katie Lee De Sosa, and she's amazing. Um, you know, I have talked about my group of writing friends before, which is my romance group, and she's part of that group. So we've been friends for a while now, and she's awesome. Uh, can I just say that? Immediately, immediately. Oh my gosh, I can't say that word. Off the bat, amazing person. Love her approach to writing. I think that it's foundationally so important because there's so many negative thoughts and energy that can come in from social media, from you know book authors that are doing X, Y, Z. And sometimes we need to come back to the core, to the foundation of why we want to write. And Katie hits on this perfectly, perfectly. She's amazing. She's inspirational. I just love her state of mind. And y'all, I think you're going to love her too. So let's go ahead and dive in. I'm excited for this. Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast, the show that helps you plan, write, and publish your book, even if you're a beginner or just feel like one. Now, for your host, she's written over a dozen books and helps others bring their books to life. Here she is, Maciel. There, writers, let's take a beat to talk about a special announcement. So November is your month of transformation. Get a one-hour coaching session with me by choosing one of these three options, or all three. Option one, join our Patreon for $1, which will support the show. Option two, book a $1 coaching session on coach.me. Option three, leave an Apple podcast review. Send a screenshot to my email and get a coaching spot. You can do all three and get three hours of coaching with me. Find all the links in the show notes. Act fast. This offer is only valid for November to celebrate National Novel Writing Month. Thanks. All right. And welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. Welcome, Katie Lee DeSosa. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. I apologize if you hear my dog screaming in the background. She just started howling. So fingers crossed that she stops. But I'm doing good. Awesome. I did not hear did not hear your dog, but I hope that your dog is good. <laughs> just saying, let me in. Let me in. Oh, yeah. She's a husky, so she's got some oh some drama okay. in her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I heard a little bit, and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No worries, right? This is all about the writing environment. The writing environment, sometimes we just have to face, right? Sometimes it's a screaming, howling dog in your writing environment, and that's okay. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Katie, I realize that I didn't first ask you if I pronounced your name correctly, um, even though I, we're friends. You here, got right? really, really close. Okay. Um, most people say DeSousa, but it's actually DeSouza, and you got really close. And oh. so that was great. Okay. Okay, thank you. And I'm probably going to have you repeat it again because I always love to make sure no everyone's worries. names are good. Okay, so and yeah. tell me, how do you say it? DeSouza. DeSouza. Oh, DeSouza. All right, cool, cool. I love that. Where's the origin of that name, by the way? Portugal. My dad is Portuguese. Oh, cool. Do you speak Portuguese? Nope. <laughs> I speak French very poorly and English. Nice. Hopefully not very poorly because it's my first language, but, you know. We try. we try. 
100% in the same boat. Uh, my my family is uh, Mexican or Mexican American. Like, do you speak Spanish? Nope. Nope. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I try though. I'm like, <laughs> communicate with me. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, um, the podcast listen- listeners are going to be able to tell right away that you and I have a different vibe than the other interviews that I've had because usually I start oh, off. Yeah. With- yeah, intros. Let's do it. Let's jump in. But Katie and I are friends. We are romance writers together. So I'll do a little Yay. bit of an intro. Yay! And then I'm going to hand it over to you because you have such an interesting background. So you are a visual storyteller. Katie is really a creative director. You've been a concept artist for Riot Games. You worked in TV. Um, you do video games. You have lots of like famous published works that I would love for you to talk about. And, of course, you are a romance writer, and you're launching your own studio along with some close friends and your husband, I believe. Um, so you have an – that's amazing. You have an extensive background, Katie. Thanks. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> I like to hop around. I love it. I love it. You know what? Honestly, it's not even hopping around because it's all storytelling. All storytelling. That's true. Yeah, there's a common a common thread for sure. Definitely. So I know that I didn't do you justice, Katie. Please introduce yourself to everyone. You know, tell us about you. Oh, thanks. Oh, you did a beautiful job. Um, but yeah, I can totally go into a little more detail. Um, so I, like you mentioned, I started off um, more on the visual side. I've always enjoyed, you know, writing um, as, as sort of a personal hobby, and it still is. Um, but my career was in uh, visuals, so illustration and concept art. Um my sort of foundational years in game development were at Riot Games, and I got to work on a lot of fun stuff there, um, one of them being designing the champion Jinx, which was really cool, um, oh. and getting to see her turned into a Netflix series, which was very fun. Um, that was awesome. But, um, yeah, I got to spend some time there working on uh, League of Legends and then eventually uh, doing, like, some cinematic work where we were making little um, – um, almost like short film kind of things uh, for a while. Um, and eventually uh, I moved on from Riot Games and I did like a little stint um, helping some some friends out in the early stages of a project that they were working on, which was the Dragon Prince. And I got to do some early kind of little character design uh, things for them, which was really exciting. And to see that turn into its own series as well was really fun. Um, but my, I actually spent the last... Um, gosh, six or seven years, I think, um, working at a studio called Phoenix Labs. And for a while, I was on a title called Dauntless, which was sort of like a uh, online Monster Hunter-like MMO. Um, so I got to uh, be concept artist and then eventually art director for Dauntless. Um, and then uh, I got to ha- sort of pitch my own project and to be the game director, creative director for uh, a game called Fang Farm, which is just came out recently and um yeah I, I was really excited for that and I'm happy that it's out now and excited to rest also <laughs> um but yeah after after Fay Farm um uh, like you mentioned like my husband and I uh we work together in games um so we we're kind of like hopping around studios together and we kind of wanted to try to um maybe start up our own thing and work on some small indie games together with some friends so we're currently poking at the bear that is making a studio and, and seeing what, you know, what was in there. What's, what's that about? And uh, yeah, it's, it's fun and exciting so far, but um, I, 
in my spare time, I have always written kind of just fantasy romance <laughs> novels. And um, I mentioned to you before, but this is usually because, like, when you work on art commercially, whether it's, you know, illustration or writing or what whatever it is, um, you don't always get to work on the thing that you're most inspired to make. Um, right. Yeah, so video games is like, sometimes you just got to draw a hundred swords. <laughs> and what you want to draw is like a romance story. Um, but after eight hours of drawing, I'm like, I don't want to draw anymore. So that's where writing comes in and I can kind of like engage in a different medium and do a different kind of storytelling and just kind of like be creative and fun and express myself and my interests and whatever I'm inspired by at that moment. And um, it's also like the hobby, the hobby realm is nice because there's no pressure <laughs> to, to like finish anything, make anything good. It's like just pure play, which is, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, I would love to, now that, you know, my, my days are a little bit more flexible now. Um, I'm thinking maybe I will take one of these drafts that I've made and probably not one of the old ones, probably a new one, but like <laughs> make something more with it um, and see where that goes. Yeah, we will never touch the old ones. Let's just leave the old ones where they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're fine in the drawer. We can leave them there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely, Katie. I mean, he worked on Riot Games, created Jinx, which became its own animated show, TV, Dragon Prince. I mean, everything that you touch pretty much turns into an animated show. <laughs> Did you notice that before, or am I the first one to play? No, no, it's, it was, uh, we'll see if, we'll see if, like, Fay Farm becomes an animated series. Well, fingers crossed. All right, we're going to start a campaign. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, and, you know, it's funny that you bring up that it's a hobby, you know, um, and I feel like the way that, that you view it is not only healthy, but still very, like, also productive. Because, I mean, we met through the class, right, in David Farland's class. Um, through yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I feel like you, you you probably see it as a hobby, but you also, like, take it to heart. You know, it's not just a throwaway hobby. It's a it's a passion hobby. Do you feel like that's kind of how you surround yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that like I hobbies are interesting for me because I have a very difficult time having a hobby that I'm not like it's I, I'm a very zero or 100 kind of person. Yeah. So if I'm going to engage in something, I'm going to be like, I'm going to learn everything about this thing. Um, so that's Love learning that. is something that I'm just really like. I don't know. I get really giddy about it. So I love taking classes and reading books and um, was delighted to meet you and our buddies in that class. And uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's a blast. I think like to me, that's like also been um, if I ever get better at anything, it's because I'm enjoying uh, being curious about it. If that makes sense, just like kind of like throwing stuff together and seeing what happens and, and learning um, instead of instead of like trying to like hold the like idea of an outcome and then like working towards that. For some reason, that just never really works for me. It's usually just like, oh, what's this stuff in front of me? What can I do with it? I'm going to put it together. Oh, this is cool. I like this. And like building things a little bit at a time is sort of feels more natural for me to, to work that way. That's wonderful because I feel like, and you, you mentioned this, it's like having a hobby now, it's difficult, you know, uh, either, oh, well, oh, the yeah. hobby, 
has to make money, you know, or. Right. Yeah. The like side hustle stuff. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you mentioned that for a while. I would put like, um, I would write before I started writing. I'm not making money with this. This isn't going to be for work just to like deprogram that because it's so ingrained. Um, yeah, I I worked as like a, a freelance artist for a while and you've, you've freelanced before too. So you probably understand the like, um, every minute of my life could be me working like brain worm. Um, and that's hard to, to get out of there. Um, but it, it feels like it does limit my creativity and that's why I kind of, and, and my ability to like be truthful in my work and for hobby work, that's like uh, what I, what I want to do with it and commercial work. It's like, you know, I got to do what I got to do. I got to draw the hundred swords that they want me to draw, but you know, um, yeah. I love that. I'm really glad that you brought this up. We're just going back and forth on this. I love, but I I love this because it's like, yes, it's so rare now to feel that. And you, you wrap out your paper. At what point did you realize that you're like, wait a second, I need to deprogram. You know, what was that for you? Oh my gosh. It's like, it was probably at the end ish of my time at riot and sort of my transition away. Um, I think that's when I was sort of like also at a point with like my art in general that I was like kind of unfulfilled, like creatively and sort of like emotionally um, and like wondering why that was. And it was, I think for me, because like, um, my first years at Riot were very much like uh, what I wanted to do creatively overlapped completely with what I was doing for my day job. And that was beautiful. But then it like it kind of like drifted away. Like I wasn't as like, you know, I spent like six or so years working on League of Legends. I'm just kind of tired of League of Legends, <laughs> even though it's like really cool and fun. And I recognize all the cool things about it. It's kind of like, boy, it's just like. Make another guy with a sword, hit another guy with a sword again, please, and and put some different VFX on it this time. Um, and not to like, you know, disparage anybody. Like that I lived and breathed that and loved it for like many, many years. And that's just people's bread and butter sometimes, and that's totally cool. But mine was like my deep, like creative thing is is romance. And um because that was just like for so many years, I think um not being like fed at all. Um, I think I, those sort of like other interesting things that I got to do couldn't carry that weight anymore. And so I was kind of like, boy, I like need to, I need to like do something. And, and like, and so I started like writing little things on, on the side, um, a bit more frequently. Um, Sorry, I say um a lot. I'm just recognizing that now. This is my first podcast. <laughs> I love it. Um, I but, didn't even notice. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, oh, where was I? Oh, yeah. So I started like doing more creative stuff on the side, but then I was sort of like, oh, what could I make with this? Like, what? Like, I have to have like a reason for why I'm doing this, and it can't just because it'll be a waste of time if I, uh, you know. Um, and then that led me to just like be like feel even worse. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, oh. 
this is horrible. Um, is just, does everything suck now? Do I hate art and everything now? Like, what's going on? Um, this can't be the way. Uh, I have, like, a lot more years of life left on the planet, and I would like to not hate art and be able to be creative again, please. Um, so walking through that is sort of, like, where I, I stumbled into, like, oh, the, the problem is that, like, the – what I need, the need that I have is to be like creatively fulfilled. Um, and that's like the need that's coming from inside me. And the need that's coming from outside me is you need to be productive and spend every waking hour of your life like working um, because we like to hustle in this culture. Um, and I was kind of like separating that and being like, no, that's that's not coming from me. That's coming from like outside but it's it's kind of got like a parasite in in my brain that I need to like take out and and like put over there so I can focus on the actual need that I have um yeah that's that's a little rambly but hopefully that explains no yeah definitely because um I think that a lot of writers uh, they face the problem of I have to do this and I have to do it to, you know, make money to get uh, a platform, you know, just name any reason. And I think that pressure, like you said, it can kind of crush you creatively, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You just like mentioned something that like made me remember like um, in games, uh, especially big games who can afford them, there are a lot of uh, things like like data analyst teams and stuff that will kind of like suss out the temperature of your audience and what they want to see and what they don't want to see. And um, a lot of studios can do this well and do this with like a soft hand. And they're like, oh, people kind of want this sort of thing. And and it's also responsible for a giant business employing a lot of people to do the things that their audience wants them to do. Um, but as a creative person, it feels like I am turning off my, like the, my soul in a way. And it's like, and, and being like, no, I'm not going to do anything that I want to do. I'm just going to follow the, follow the data or follow the whatever thing um, and for me, it was sort of like, there's something incredibly, uh, I, I, I don't know how to explain it, but like the connection of making something that is coming from you and is very truthful and then giving that to someone else and then them engaging with it. Um, there, like that feedback loop is completely different from the feedback loop of, oh, uh, the data analysts told us that they, they want the blue one, and so I'm going to make the blue one, and then I'm going to give them the blue one, and they're like, yay, the blue one. Um, that feels so much less rewarding, and I've, I've done both of them, and I'm like, I just do, I want to live in the that blue one land, like, as little as possible. <laughs> uh, we're, we're not always that lucky, and, that you know, you got to eat, and you got bills to pay, but, like, Boy, the more time I can spend in the like, I'm gonna do the thing that's 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 honest about what who I am and what I want to create, um, and then see what people see who likes it, um, and then whoever likes it, they are my audience. Um, that's a lot. That's risky sometimes because that might be a small number. You, you just don't know. Right. Yeah. And I love that you're leaning into this because um, I think that at the core, that's the message that we're trying to spread. Not, you know, and of course, like you said, like when companies have to, you know, pay bills for their employees. Right. It makes sense that you have to be a business. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I know that there's a balance to it, right? Just like you're doing, like you, you and your team now, your husband and your friends, you're going to find that balance of like, we're going to create something that like really brings the passion, but also you're, there will be decisions that will have to be based on business, right? But oh, now absolutely. Yeah. But now you'll step into more power because you're, you're doing it from your core, you know, instead of having to do it for someone else, you're like, okay, we're making decisions based on the soul now, right? With yeah, yeah, I've seen that too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I think a lot of authors can apply that to their own writing, you know, that like follow your your heart just to even get the, the book written, just to finish your story and just ha- and also have fun with that, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, yeah, no, totally. Oh, sorry, oh, agreeing. <laughs> okay. Um, so okay, you mentioned romance, love romance. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so tell me, now that you have more freedom, right, where does your heart of romance come from? Why do you like romance? Let's start there. Oh, that's a good question. I think I like romance because it is, um, it's really deep character growth stories most of the time, and it's two people learning that they can be better people. And oftentimes the ones that really resonate with me are that like um, stories about learning how to love yourself because somebody else is like able to show you like what it is to be loved. Um, and that that is just like, to me, I don't know, that plucks at my heartstrings like crazy when it's like, uh, you know, characters from like troubled pasts or something, or they were like, you know, grew up wanting for something or have some kind of trauma that's like they're struggling with and that like um, finding someone that's going to be with them as they work through that. And then you could like, they could also be there for them as well. Um, Those, I don't know. There's just something so like really beautiful about those stories that they just, I don't know they get me every time. (laughs) Are, are you uh, going to be incorporating like romance tropes into what you guys your your next project for your game for your studio? Oh my goodness, we'll see, we'll see. It'd be fun. I I, I do want to be able to do that. Um, it's a definitely uh, it'll be interesting. We're it's big on the experiential story, um, the sort of like space that we want to play in. Um, but it'd be it'd be a lot of fun to be able to like come up with some quests and cool little tidbits of lore and make some interesting characters that have like relationships to each other. I would, I'd really love to do that. Awesome. And speaking of like, what's like your favorite tropes in romance? Oh goodness. Um, I mean, I love an enemies to lovers. Oh, Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not to be basic or anything, but I love an enemies to lover. Um, right. yeah. And I think that comes from like, I also really like stories about characters who are like, conf- like confronted with like their own ideals and how they might be false and how they can like overcome the shame of having been like wrong about something in order to like kind of like grow uh, and move forward in like a more like honest way, um, if, if that makes sense. But that's, I think that's why enemies to lovers are, are are great. And there's always like there's always so much tension in them, which is also a lot of fun. 
<laughs> yeah, I love enemies to lovers as well. And I think I'm on the same page. You know, you see those challenges and they're like, they're bringing out the yeah. challenges. They're also bringing out their best selves. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> they begrudgingly have to acknowledge that the other person is like kind of okay. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you're actually kind of smart. Stubbing some good stuff. Yeah, dang it, yeah. and you're good looking. I hate you. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm, I 100% love the enemies. I also love friends, friends to lovers. I'm like, yeah, those are good too. Those are sweet. I'm like, oh, they were the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those ones oh, are so, like tender and like, yeah. Who are some of like, your favorite authors? I'm just curious now. Now I'm just like poking into your mind. Oh, no, no worries. Um, Gosh. I, I always struggle when there's, like, a favorites thing. Um, so I usually just go with, like, stuff I've read recently-ish. And uh, the, the things that pop into my head are, like, I, I really loved the, the like, Akotar series. Those, those are so much fun. Um, right now, the stuff that's in my brain is all Baldur's Gate. <laughs> like, it's just, and my brain is just Baldur's Gate. So the, the romances in that game are very good and I like them a lot and uh props to the writing team good job <laughs> nice I love that um so okay uh now I was just kind of curious I'm like oh like, who, do you, who do you read and yeah, that's yeah. um so one of the things that I've noticed about your writing because we know we share you know about our stories is that you have rich histories inside your work so how do you approach that? How do you approach that kind of background, that kind of investigation? Oh, um, are, is it histories in terms of like, like, um, like settings and stuff or characters or? Yeah. No, that's a great, that's a great counter question. So I was thinking more of, of setting because I know you're working on a story yeah. where the ghost in Ireland, right? Yeah. 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 And I was like, wow, the, the, the setting is so rich. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, uh, I think this probably comes partly from my, ex like, work, um, in concept art being, um, I, I did, I spent a while on, like, a, a world building team, um, at Riot, and, like, I also really like, like, learning and history and stuff, so, like, getting to dig into stuff is really fun for me, so as soon as I, like, pick a setting, I'm kind of like, Ooh, I'm I'm gonna like you know probably watch documentaries uh, and like read some stuff and and like go explore like um, whatever there is in this setting that could be like compelling or interesting or or make it feel 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 like really unique. It's almost like um, uh, <laughs> levels in a video game. <laughs> so it's like different like settings for scenes or different like um, challenges uh, and like how you want to theme those. And, and that's why I like to like dig into what, what might exist already. Or if I'm making something new, um, I'll just pull reference from everywhere to, to try to like find interesting things to, to fill all of, all of the things that I want in there. Awesome. No wonder it feels uh, really rich and it feels very thorough, you know, because you were, you were painting pictures for me just when you were talking about, talking about your, like, synopsis. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's, like, um, something that I do is I make, uh, like, reference boards, and that's just sort of a, a thing that I brought over from 
like concept art where you just always have your giant boards of like hundreds of pictures of reference for whatever you're working on. So I tend to like do that as well. Um, it helps me keep like the, um, the tone of the thing I'm working on in mind. Uh, Cause it's really hard to like store all that information and keep it like in your brain while you're trying to write as well. Um, my working memory doesn't have space for all that. So having, like, <laughs> a monitor with all of these like pictures that are like the right mood or like the right setting or um, just something that's like uh, inspiring um, is, is definitely helpful. Yeah, that's amazing. All right. Well, those were the warm up questions. Are you ready for the, the actual question? I'm just kidding. Hard hitting ones. <laughs> I'm ready for the hard ones. Let's go. <laughs> well, you you actually just started talking about it, um, and you were talking about your experience, you know, developing world building concept design. Um, I wanted to ask you, what are the similarities between you know building games and building books? Oh, awesome! Um, there's actually a lot, and I, I wanted to. Um, this question made me think of. Um, one of the interesting things that I've, I learned um, a little while ago um, when I was like learning more about story structure, I was kind of like, wow, you can base a video game on like, like story structure and like people do. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> but also different kinds of story structure. Like there's, um, you know, we have like the three X structure that I think everybody knows. Um, but there's like other ones that are, people are also familiar with like Kisho Tenketsu, um, which is like, I think Japanese, but I was reading an interesting article about how like a lot of Mario games are structured in, in that way. A lot of Mario levels are structured in that way of the like introduction and then like development and then like sort of like a, a change or a twist and then like a resolution. I was like, Oh, that's so cool. Of course you would like structure um, a video game in, in a way that's like a satisfying story experience. Um, even if you're not telling a story, but you're still like, it's it's all the same thing at the end of the day. You're asking, like, you're giving something to another person and you want them to take, like, an emotional journey um, and you want them to go specific places uh, and you want them to feel probably a specific thing at the end, including, like, you know, the, the beautiful thing about art, which is, like, there's so much open to, like, individual interpretation, but, like, there's generally an idea of, like, what you want to present um, and having having structure is is awesome. And so there, there are some like cool, cool similarities there. That's amazing. I, I love how, I mean, I feel like as storytellers, once we kind of see it in other places, a story drives so much, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And even if it's like, even if you're like, um, not even intending it to happen or like you're you're not writing the story yourself you're giving them the tools to like finish the story or something um that that you see a lot in games where they'll, they'll be like um a clear like you know you're you're walking along this you know terrain and then there's like a gap and then there's like a half fallen over tree uh and then like uh, you can't cross the gap and you need to wave like a bridge across. And then you see like a skeleton over there and he's got an ax and you're like, Oh, I can t Okay. Mate, he was a woodcutter, I guess. And he died. I wonder how he died. I don't know. Maybe I'll figure that out, but I'm going to use his ax. I'm going to finish cutting down this tree so I can get across this gorge. And then, so you like, is you, all you have are props there and the player or the reader um, or the viewer is like being like, Oh, 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 Okay. I'm making the connections now. And now I'm 
pers- like continuing on my journey, but now I'm also wondering what the story of this guy is. And yeah, so it's it's fun to like play with that and and see what things you can like little nuggets that you can drop in places to make people go like, hey, hang on. <laughs> I noticed that in your stories, too, because you were talking to us about the outline, and we'll talk about the outline in a minute, too, or, or about yeah. outlining. Um, uh, but you were, it's kind of like you had red herrings, like, just in your story. Like, this is going to yeah, come back yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you do that on purpose now, or is it more, like, intuitive based on your experience? Um, it's a mix of both. Sometimes it's like, I, I'm like, okay, I know, I know I have to set up some that I need just to make sure that, like, at the end it's going to actually come together um and it does need uh to be guided that way um but there's always like i I love leaving room for happy accidents or like you know getting halfway through something and being like oh but that thing that that happened then if i brought that back here oh that would be good um so like making room for that is always always super fun yeah i agree like those moments where you're like, oh, wait, that one thing that I mentioned, oh, I could totally <laughs> add it here. You know? yeah, thanks, my past self. Yeah. <laughs> Good job on writing that. <laughs> um, okay, so then let's lead us to the outlining. We've, we've talked about outlining between you and I and our group, our romance, our Saturday mm-hmm. romance writers. So yeah. I would love to pick your brain on what is your outlining process right now? You know, do you have an outlining process? How, how does that evolve recently? <laughs> yeah, I think my process kind of changes every time I write and also is very um, dependent on the sort of thing I'm, I'm working on. Um, but there is just a general similar structure and I think this probably is just like how I I learned to create anything (laughs) which is like in in sort of like um macro to micro phases um where I will do like you know this macro level like you know jot notes of like what is this kind of story about and it's like these are kind of the things I want to happen and then like I will just kind of make those more detailed and then like branch them out and make them more detailed and branch them out and make them more detailed. Um, but every time I'm like doing another one of those detail passes, I'm kind of like doing a lot of exploration at the same time. And so a lot of things change at through each of those. So it's, it's not quite like a pure like fractal where it's like, Oh, you start with like three things and then you make three things on those three things. And then you, cause it's like those three things are totally different by the time they get to the end. Um, so it's sort of like a morphing, a morphing kind of like thing that's growing um, and just getting more detailed um, at, at the same time along the entire like continuum of it, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm imagining kind of like a, an upside down tree. Is that? Yeah. Kind of- yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to, to, to think about it, I think. Is that similar to the process? I know you and I specifically have talked about, um, like, vomit drafts, like skeleton drafts. Do you feel oh, like that's yeah, yeah. the same process, or is that something different for you? For me, it's a little bit different. I think my um, – I definitely do those. I think that they come after maybe about a month or so of this kind of, like, um, exploration and outlining where I'm, like um, – 
still trying to keep like almost like a, a chapter by chapter or a scene by scene kind of understanding of like what are the, the big important things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll do a vomit draft and be like, oh, okay, a lot of that has changed now. <laughs> but I can go back and kind of like update those things that have changed. I find that like, um, I can't do the full panther thing where like the first, the day one, you're just like, time to vomit draft. Um, because I get so confused <laughs> by like page five. I'm like, where did I start and where am I going? I have no idea. <laughs> and what do I even do? The paths that I could go in are so endless that I just am paralyzed by the choice paralysis of, of like that many things in front of me. It's like a, I don't know, being in the cereal aisle and being like, <laughs> what one? What one? I don't know. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love I love that comparison. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> I mean, there's so many options in the cereal. I like, know, it's too many. I know. Like, do you go for get the same cereal again? Because you're like, I can't think through this many options. Yeah, you're like, I was gonna. It was gonna come down to Fruit Loops or Tricks for me. That was the ultimate. <laughs> you know, forget the oats and the raisin bran. Like, nope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so I'm I'm trying to like also see where I'm finding your connections, and let me know if if I'm trying to like make it a, not a, maybe an assumption. Let me know. You're like totally off or being close. So like I feel like your your pre writing your brainstorming phase is a lot like the board that you mentioned, where you you're putting up all these images, and you're getting the oh, tone, yeah. kind yeah, of similar. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. It's like um, a composition phase, I think, is is how I would refer to it in illustration, where you're like, you want to nail down the composition of the image um, before you go paint all the details. Um, because if you paint, like, that character with all of their pretty details, and you're like, ooh, they should be standing over there in a different pose at the end, it's like, okay, time to do 40 more hours of work, I guess, to change that. Um, so that's why I think I'm like... Uh, this just feels so so intuitive to me to be like, oh, I'll just nail down the composition of this of this story, um, and then I'll figure out the details, and I'll I'll change I can change the composition if I need to later, but like this sets me up for like hopefully not having to do a whole bunch of that. Right, not another forty hours, hopefully. Just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so great. I love the connections that you've made, and on also the foundations too. You know, like really having a kind of process and something that guides you and makes you feel um, confident and, and happy to write, you know, because you don't want to go back to the hobbies that you want to enjoy this process. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I love that. Um, I was going to ask something else, but I, I love the distraction about the cereal and I'm stuck on the cereal aisle, like not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> so let's jump to um, a question that's a little bit broader. And, you know, as you uh, start to finish your next novel, um, you know, what are some tips that you would love to share with the audience, you, you, whether it's from visual storytelling or from what you're learning in your current works in progress? We'd love to hear that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's um, that's a really good question. Um, I think... Sort of, it it might just be like a, instead of like a a craft tip, more of like a 
try to be as honest as possible or like as as like don't censor yourself with your early work. I think that that to me has been really helpful. Um, being like, hey, I'm not going to show anybody this so I can just completely uncensored, just do whatever I want. Um, no idea is a bad idea. Uh, just need to like get ideas down. Um, and I can always change them, delete them, fix them, whatever later. Um, I, I think in that early stage, um, at least for me, I've noticed that when I struggle, it's because there's something that I might not even be conscious of at the time that's censoring me. And I'm, and then I have to kind of like, you know, do a little check in and be like, hang on, why am I feeling weird about this? What's going on? Why am I like struggling today? And it's like, oh, I'm afraid that this is going to be stupid or like I'm going to show someone and they're going to like think it's like, you know, like trite or like silly or like, you know, any kind of like negative self-talk stuff. And then I can kind of like deal with that and be like, well, you know what? They're not going to have the chance because no one gets to see this. And then like, this is just for me and I like this. So I'm going to give myself that gift of like doing what I want to do. Um, and then at the end, I can decide what I want to do from there. So like that, that for me usually quiets that voice, which is, which is helpful. So I don't know well, if anybody else struggles with that, but hopefully that helps. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm positive that there are people out there who right now they they're going to hear that and they're going to be like, oh, my gosh, that's why I can't get past that chapter or can't get past. Right. This yeah. yeah, that's that's beautiful. That's perfect. So um, if you can tell us where can we find you and also what can we expect next from you across any industry? Where should we find what's going to be happening next? <laughs> um, I cannot be found. I live <laughs> in a house that I painted black in the forest. <laughs> so, um, so no, I, I, <laughs> I stopped going on social media um, a while ago, but I do sort of have a Twitter account that I kind of every now and then look at. Um, so I, I think my Twitter is Katie DeSouza. I'm just going to quickly check that to make yeah. sure that that's accurate. Awesome. No worries. Yeah. And that's a good idea. At Katie DeSouza, that's me. Um, so if you want to, to see a tweet that I will make, you know, once every six months, then head on over. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the, on the, on the deal on the internet. So, um, it'll be probably a few years, um, well, maybe not a few years, but a little while, uh, before any kind of like studio or next project announcements go out. Um, cause games, games take a long time. Um, they do. They do. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, um, that's awesome. And it's a good idea. <laughs> totally. Because like, honestly, like I mean, we're writers, our creativity is not in social media. It's outside of social media. Yeah. yeah. I think social media, like, for me, boy, I, I struggle being creative if I'm on social media for too long. I definitely noticed that. It's just very, like, oh, it's yeah. like tapping. <laughs> it's weird. It's so true. Like, uh, just to give you some context, so, like, with this show, like, I think people can expect that, like, I'll have, like, a, a really, like, just hard episodes going in November, December, October. And then after that, I kind of need to retreat, and I, like, disappear from the show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, it's still too much social media for me. You know, it's I'm like, I can't. I just, you know, 
I'm empowering you, but I'm like, I'm in my room though. I'm empowering you from the the covers. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. All right, Katie, this is awesome. Is there anything that you feel like maybe we didn't cover that you want to add before we wrap out? No, I just was super excited to come hang out with you. This is a lot of fun. Thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah, me too. I always love chatting with you. Uh, yeah, I love chatting with you. It's so awesome. You're always so inspiring. Like, we just chat. We're like, okay, oh. this is right, you know? Yeah, you, you make me want to write. And I think, like, that's beautiful. I love having, yeah. you know, writer buddies. <laughs> me too. I know. I love, I love our meetups. I'm like, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, this has been amazing. It's been not only amazing to hear about your extensive background and how visual storytelling translates to your current work, but also your mindset about your work. I think it's so important for the people to also absorb, you know, having that new perspective, the lovely perspective of enjoying the process, you know. So thank you. Thank you so much, Katie. We're looking forward oh, to what's you. next. Thank you. All right. We'll chat <laughs> with you soon. Yeah, for sure. Take care. I just want to take this moment to thank each and every of you who gives a review and rating on iTunes. I appreciate them all. Absolutely. iTunes, though, is a little bit different. Apple's a little bit different. It um, kind of categorizes based on reviews. So particularly there, it helps so much. So I just want to tell a shout out to everyone who has gone ahead and given me a rating on the show. I love it. I wish I could shout out every single one of you. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes people put on a rate a rating and um, it actually doesn't catch their name. It just adds the stars. And I'm like, oh man, I wish I would have loved to like say thank you. But I can't. I, I can't see who did it. Um, so this is the next one that actually does have a name. So yay. All right. Five stars from JJ Jim J. Oh, thank you so much. Now, I see your comment here is about the website as well. So, yes, that is blackheartedstudios.com. Again, that's blackheartedstudios.com. Uh, Blackhearted came from a kind of story shop that I created when I was 12. So, that's why I created blackheartedstorystudios.com. I'm sorry. And that's blackheartedstudios.com. The business is Black Hearted Story Studios. So thank you so much for leaving that review. I really appreciate it. And if you have time, please go ahead and put a review for others to see. I always love to know that this podcast is helping to encourage you because that's what this whole show is about. It's about you believing that your story needs to be told, not just, oh, it can be told or, oh, it'd be nice if it could be told. No, it definitely needs to be out in the world. And sometimes we get bogged down by, well, there are, somebody else already talked about this or, well, I might not say it right, but your story, your story deserves to be told. Thank you so much for your review and everyone, I hope you are enjoying the show. Thanks. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the How to Write a Book podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. If you want to keep up with me and my work, check out the website, blackheartedstudios.com. That's www.blackheartedstudios.com. And follow me on Instagram, at Maciel Writes. That's at M-A-S-S-I-E-L Writes. As a book coach and publisher, I'm passionate about helping aspiring authors bring their stories to life. So if 
you've been dreaming of writing a book and don't know where to start, head to my website and let's chat. You get a free 30 minutes on me. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.